we've started a brand new series last week. It's called uh, God Never Said That. Um, someone actually sent me this T-shirt. So isn't that great? It's, it's a picture of Jesus saying, I never said that. Isn't that the coolest thing you've ever seen? I was like, that's cool. If you send it to me, let me know who you are, man. I want to thank you. It's such a cool gift. Yeah, and so um, it was a cool, cool gift. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're talking about what God never said. Now, the reason that we're doing that is because there is so much pain wrapped up in what God never said said. We can put ourselves in so much suffering if we're not clear on what God has said. You see, if we think about God wrongly, we'll feel wrongly, and then we'll act wrongly. So this is a, a series that's going to try to bust some of our pre, uh, uh, preconceived notions of God, and I pray that during this series, there'll be a sense where uh, God will really confront you on some of the lies that we believe and that he'll uh, turn you to depend on him and trust in him and look to him rightly. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, God wants you to be happy. And we said God never said that. God doesn't want you to be happy. That's not the end goal. And if you want to hear, and some of you, you, you didn't wear in here last week, you go, oh my gosh, what do you mean? Well, I'll refer you back to the website, uh, ourhowbk.org, and you can go on the website and listen and find out what the scriptures really say. But it's a, it's a dangerous notion to believe that God wants us to be happy. And uh, This week, we're going to talk about uh, the lie uh, that says God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you ever heard that? Next week, we're going to talk about uh, uh, what you do doesn't matter so long as you don't hurt anyone else. Um, and then uh, the last week, what you believe doesn't matter as long as you're sincere. So we're going to try to speak on every week, and we're going to ask God to help us um, to uh, bring it with power. But we want you to, we really want to explode some myths that uh, we walk around with. Because what we want to do is we, wanna, we don't want to rely on a fake God. We want to rely on a real God, a God who is there, a God who is speaking, a God who has spoken. And so uh, we pray that you show up to each one of those. Uh, when I go through difficult times, when I go through suffering and heartache, when that happens in my life, and it's evident, it's almost inevitable that a Christian will come up and say, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. If I believed that before, 2012 was a tough year to believe that. In 2012, I went through a almost year-long depression, dark depression, tough to get out of bed depression, want to die depression. It was a very difficult year. And if I believed that God doesn't give you any more than you can handle, I didn't believe it in 2012 because God had just exploded that. There was nothing. There was nothing that anyone could say to convince me that God could, would only give me what we could handle. I remember reading Mother Teresa's book, Come Be My Light. 
Come Be My Light is uh, sort of excerpts from her diary. And she had gone through bouts of depression. That's why I read the book, because I wanted to see how another person who loved Jesus went through it. And her reliance on Christ was beautiful to me. But it was interesting because one of her uh, mentors came up to her and said something like, I'm not quoting it, but it was a paraphrase. He goes, you know, uh, Teresa, the reason God uh, is giving you this pain is because he can trust you with the suffering. And I remember her response. She goes, I wish he didn't think of me so highly. It's true. When we go through pain, you don't, there, there's no great comfort in hearing, oh, God won't give you more than he can handle. I wish God didn't think I was so strong because this kind of feels like more than I can handle. I wonder if you're in a stage of life. I know right now, right now, for those of you who are hearing my voice and some of you are listening to my voice in another time zone through video, you're going through it. It's a difficult time. You're experiencing the kind of pain and heartache that you just wish would go away. Some of us have parents that as they grow older, they get sicker. And you're just kind of dealing with that sort of tension with caring for your parents and going through life. And then they get better, and then you go through the roller coaster of they get better one day, and then it just tanks. And then they get better. It's just a big seesaw. Some of us, we have children right now, and it's more than you can handle. They are going their own way. They've rebelled. They're, they're lying. You know that they're lying, but they're not saying anything. And so you, you get to watch front row to these horrible mistakes that they're making that they're going to regret for the rest of their life. It's more than you can handle. Some of us right now, you've come to the doctor and the doctor did not say, clean bill of health, you're doing great. He said, listen, I need you to come in a little bit early. We need to talk about some things we found. And it doesn't get better, it gets worse. And the more you pray, the worse it gets. And you are experiencing more than you can handle. Some of your marriages, they're just falling apart. And you thought, if you just came back to church, if you just started to pursue God, if you just started to ask God for help, then maybe, just maybe, maybe things would get better. But they haven't, and it's the marriage is more than you can handle. For some of us, right now, we're living the single life, and the tension and the temptation and the difficulty and the loneliness is more than we can bear. It feels like more than we can handle. We feel like we're gonna collapse any minute. And yet, we'll still hear over and over in these difficult times, God won't give you more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. It's supposed to encourage us. But it doesn't. It doesn't. 
Where does, where does this kind of thinking come from? Well, I think it has, a sec it has its source in two sources. A secular version, meaning like a, a kind of a, uh, an American version, is that, listen, of course God won't give you more than you can handle. All of life is based on your happiness. All of life is, if you're experiencing something that's painful, that means God's not in it, clearly. Because God, all he wants is what we talked about last week. All God wants is for you to be happy. And so, of course, God won't give you more than you can have. There are no benefits to suffering. There are no benefits to difficulty. It's all about your happiness. And the fact is, is that that's just a lie. I remember I was talking to an atheist, and, uh, and he was telling me about how, you know, um, how his greatest priority, how his greatest value was happiness and how suffering didn't fit in to that, into that paradigm. And I thought to myself, I guess if happiness is your highest paradigm, if happiness is your highest value, then yes, yeah, suffering doesn't have any place in it. But for the Christian, this... This does not make any sense because we like to see things as they are. And you and I are going to suffer. Some of us are suffering right now. There's a Christian version of this. And uh, you can find it in 1 Corinthians 10.13. It's a misunderstanding of the passage. It says this. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Do you see that? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And we think, oh, you see? You see? Therefore, this means God won't give you more than you can stand. All this text is saying is that when you are tempted, you never have to give in to it. That whatever temptation you're going through, I don't care if it's temptation for lust, temptation for uh, some chemical or alcohol or drug, if it's a temptation to lie to your parents, it's a temptation to cheat on a test, if it's a temptation, it doesn't matter. God has given you everything you need to overcome that temptation. That's what that means. Not that temptations won't come, that you won't feel completely overwhelmed when they come. We see this in the Bible, how people have been overwhelmed by what they've experienced, the suffering that they've gone through. We see it with Gideon. Do you remember Gideon? Some of you don't know Gideon. Gideon uh, is found, his story is found in the book of Judges. Uh, Judges chapter 6 through 8. Gideon is a part of the smallest tribe, and he's the least significant in that tribe, and he needs to fight a superpower, or not a superpower, but a, 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 an oppressing power of their day. Their, this power is, is oppressing them. And God says, Gideon, get some men together. I want you to fight these men. And so Gideon gets everybody together. It's like tens of thousands of people. And then God goes, oh, Gideon, here's the thing. Um, you got too many people. And God selects only the people that he wants. The army that they're fighting is 100,000. God leaves Gideon with 300. 300. I don't know if you've ever been in a fight. 
But if those are your odds, you best to get to running. Because that's, that's a pretty bad deal. Listen to me. Gideon was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed. There's no way that you could tell Gideon, God won't give you more than you can handle. He would say, I disagree. Moses, we see this in the life of Moses. Moses is leading the people. You have to see this in the text. It's in uh, Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 15. Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 15. Moses is leading the people out of um, Egypt. God has done incredible miracles. And they're now leaving. The the Egyptians have given them gold and, and livestock. They're leaving. The, the whole Egypt, well, the Egyptians change their mind midway. And they say, no, nah, we want our labor force back. And so they start to pursue them. And the people have a huge body of water in front of them. And they have a huge army behind them. And they cry out to Moses. And they say, and it's classic, right? Because every leader understands this moment. If you've been a leader for any given time, they, they, they say this. They go, um, Moses, weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Like, like weren't, wasn't it better off where we were that you had to bring us out here to kill us? And they go, you're, you're, the, you're to blame. You're the reason why we're in this mess. You need to change your mind. You need to do something about this. You need to. And, and, uh, and Moses gets up. And I could just see him in my mind's eye. He gets up on a huge rock. Remember, there's millions of people around him. I mean, he's saying this with all of his voice. He's saying, don't worry. The army that you see right now, you will never see again. And he's like, you know, like Braveheart, riding, like, right? You think of him riding on a horse. Freedom, right? Like, it's like one of those, one of those moments, right? And then the very next sentence is absolutely either comical or or confusing if you don't understand people. Um, The very next sentence, after Moses says, you will never see them again. The the Egyptians that you see now, you'll never see again. You know, like really, really. The The next line is God speaking to Moses. Why are you complaining to me? You know what happened. There's a space in between. There's two paragraphs. You know what happened in the space? Moses got up on the rock and said, you will never see them again. And then he jumped down and got up under the rock and said, Oy vey, God, what are you doing here? This is terrible. It's like horrible. And the very next line goes, why are you complaining to me? Get back on your feet. You know what happened. He saw, no one could tell him, Moses, don't worry, God won't give you more than you can handle. Are you kidding me? They have chariots. They have horses. This is a little bit more than I can handle. If you think I can handle this, I, I need a raise. Because this is, this is crazy. But Moses, we see this all over the Bible. We see this all over the Bible. We see it with David. When David is overwhelmed and he's going through a tragic moment in life, he says this in Psalm 38, verses 4 and 8. He says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden, too heavy to bear. I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. 
You know why, guys? Because in our American thinking, we think it's okay to believe that God won't give us more than we can handle, but you know what that winds up doing? That winds, that makes us resent God. It makes us get angry at God when pain comes. We look at pain as an enemy rather than as a tool in the hand of God to help us become more like Jesus. Unless we see pain in the right light, unless we see pain in the right light, we are going to not only get angry with God, but flee from him the moment stuff gets really, really tough. So the question is, God does allow you to have more. If the, if the answer is God does give you more than you can handle, then the question rises up, why? Why would a God who loves us, why would a God who's all-powerful, why would he give us more than we can handle? That's a good question. Because here it is, this is God who loves us and cares for us, has the power of the universe in his hands. We hear of stories of people who contract cancer and then they pray and the cancer goes away and your cancer hasn't gone away. We hear of people whose kids were gone wayward and three people got around them and prayed and, and, and the kids are not acting wayward. In fact, they're now on in a seminary somewhere and, and looking to serve Jesus and your kids, your kids are still going buck wild. And, and we hear of other people whose finances have gone really bad and it was a really difficult uh, uh, financial. They're, they're barely living check to check. And then they pray and all of that turns around and they get a great raise and their finances are fantastic. God does a miracle and your finances are just as horrible as they've ever been. You see, we hear about that. So why would God allow us to go through a marriage that's more than we can handle, a singleness that's more than we can handle, a sexual temptation that's more than we can handle. Why? Why would God give us this? There's two, two reasons. And I, I didn't say this. I said this last week. Everything that we're doing in this series, we got from a wonderful ministry called Life Church in... Um, I don't know if it's in Michigan or Minneapolis. It's, it's like at 1M someplace. And, uh, but it's, it's uh, uh, Life Church, uh, Pastor Greg Rochelle, so videos and the uh, handouts and the sermon and all that other stuff they have done for us, and so we're really grateful for them. So um, there are two lessons that we're going to get from this, two lessons. Why would God allow you to have more than you can handle? The first reason is to depend on his presence. Would you write that down in your bulletins? You have a sermon map. If you need a pencil, the hosts will walk down and get you a pencil. All you need to do is just kind of raise your hand and they'll bring you a pencil. Why would God give you more than you can handle? One is to depend on his presence. This is big. This is big. God allows us. God allows us to go through more 
than we can handle so that we can remember that he's with us. That he's not away from us. There's something about the presence of trouble. There's something about the presence of suffering. There's something about the presence of difficulty that makes us call on, rely on, seek God more. Corey Tin Boone, who was a prisoner in one of the camps, um, one of the World War II camps, she was in prison not because she was Jewish, but because she was a Christian woman. Her family were Christians, and they were hiding Jews in their watch uh, store. And one of the neighbors went ahead and told on them. And she got to see her. Well, she never saw him again. Her father, he went to the death camp and died. Her family, they went to the death camp and died. She got to see her sister die in front of her face as they laid next to each other. And after that experience, her sister taught her this. But she said this, Corey Tin Boone did. If you ever want to read about the story, um, it's amazing. Corey Tin Boone, um, amazing story. She said, you'll never know that God is all that you need until he's all that you have. You'll never know that God is all that you need until he's all that you have. Beloved, listen to me. As you suffer, as you go through things, your dependence on God will rise to a level that you've never known before. We could, man, when things are going well, when all the bills are paid, when everything is going fine, we could go through an entire day and never think about God. But try to do that when you're suffering. Try to do that when you're suffering. When you're suffering, when you're going through it, when you're experiencing difficulty, that does not happen. You think of God Every, God, I need your help. I need your help getting out of this bed. I need your help getting out of this house. I need your help to pick up the kids. I need your help to go to work. I need your help to say no to this. I need your help to say yes to that. I need your help, God. It's a dependence on him moment by moment. Because here, here's what you need to know. Listen to me. Listen to me. Whenever pain and suffering comes into your life, there's going to be a temptation to doubt whether God is with you in the pain. But the cross, listen to me, the cross is proof that God is with us in our pain, with us in our suffering, because it's the very suffering that we're going through that Christ absorbed on the cross. Here's what I want you to never forget. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the presence of pain cause you to doubt the presence of God. Never let the emotional upheaval, the difficulty, the heartache, the tears that don't stop, the loneliness that never goes away, never let the pain of that moment ever make you doubt the presence of a God who is not only there for you, but suffered on your behalf. Jonah experienced a moment like this. You'll remember Jonah. Jonah was that prophet who God said, go this way, and he went that way. 
Jonah was the guy who God said, do this. And he said, I think I'll do that. And then God got the, God had to call an Uber on Jonah in the form of a whale. Pick him up and drop him off where he needed to go. Don't ever let God call an Uber on you. I don't think you'll like the service. God picks Jonah up, and he said, and now while Jonah is in the midst of his rebellion, remember, Jonah's not in the pain because he's doing everything right, and he's suffering. It's his own fault. Jonah's causing his own misery. And even when you cause your own misery, it won't cause God to leave you. Jonah, in chapter 2, verses 2 and 7, says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord. Let's say that together. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. When my life was ebbing away, I remember you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you. When everything seems to be going dark, when everything seems to be going black, when all the pain in the world just feels like it's cratering down on you. Listen to me. In my distress, I called on the Lord. In my distress, I called on the Lord, and he answered me when my life was ebbing away. You know, you, hear, you see that next three words? Say it with me. I remembered you. Listen, not that the Lord remembered Jonah. Jonah remembered the Lord. Because pain has a way of achieving what God wants for, you, for us, which is, for us to depend on his presence. I don't know about you, but I need God's presence every minute of every day. I need God's presence right now as I'm speaking to you. I need God's presence as I interact with my children. I need God's presence when I'm talking to my wife. I need God's presence when I'm suffering and going through difficulty. I need God's presence. Don't you? I know what it is to go through life with no one to depend on but myself, doing my own thing, trying my hardest, doing the best I can. And it's just agony. There is a God who is greater than me, who loves me. And he's with me, and he's for me. He's with you, and too. He's for you. You know what the alternative to depending on his presence? The alternative is, and you can write this. This won't be in your notes. I'll give this to you for free. It's depending on your ability. Depending on what you can do and what you have. That's the alternative to depending on God's presence. Now, listen, see, if God's not in it, do the best you can. Work, listen, when the, with those kids, threaten them punish them, spank them. Like, you know, just use, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, try to uh, give them money, bribe them, uh, uh, you know, uh, do whatever you can. Because if it's up to you, then just do the best. One of the things that I hear sometimes in Christian circles, it breaks my heart, it's this uh, concept, and it's, it's if it's got to be, it's up to me. And I just think that that is so, if it's got, listen, if it's got to be, it's up to you, good luck. 
best of fortune to you. I'm telling you. Listen, from a guy who wants to do everything himself, I'm telling you, the presence of obstacles, the presence of difficulty is not the absence of God. The presence of obstacles, difficulty, suffering, and pain makes us depend on his presence even more. In Psalm 145, verse 18, the Bible says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Isn't that good? Isn't it good to know that when you're suffering, God is not far from you? I mean, like, I remember one time, I was a a young guy, I can't tell you his name, he might come in here one day, he still lives in New York, but he was a friend of mine, and, uh, and he was one of those friends. Have you ever had one of those friends who were, like, you know, like, two foot tall and real skinny and talked with a mousy voice and wanted to start a fight with all the seven foot guys. And uh, have you ever had a friend like that? This guy was my friend and I loved him. He was such a great guy, but he was that guy. And he started a fight. We were in the YMCA. I'll never forget it. And we were playing basketball and he started a fight with a bunch of guys and then, you know, and he was with me. So it was like, yeah, what? Me and my man will do it. I was like, really? <laughs> but you're there. You can't say nothing. You're like, yeah, Pfft, what? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you do that thing, and it's like, it's crazy. So we were playing a basketball game, and I, rec- I realized that as soon as we got off the court, like as soon as the team lost, that's it. We had to fight. So I was playing like Michael Jordan, right? I was just like, we had to stay on. I was praying that these guys, like, moms would come. Like, we were teenagers. Their moms would come and nothing like that. None of that happened. But what was interesting, what was interesting is that in that moment, I looked around, and it was clear we were going to lose. And I looked around, and, you know, I couldn't find my friend. I could not find him. Not in the bathroom. Not upstairs, not downstairs, not like pumping iron because we were in the YMCA just getting ready for the fight, you know. I couldn't find him anywhere. Wouldn't answer a call. I mean, we didn't have cell phones back then. But if I did call him, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have answered it. God's not like that. God's not like that. When you're going through suffering, when you're going through difficulty, God is with you. You want to know how the story ended? It's one of the coolest stories I know, so I'll tell you how it ended. It has nothing to do with the sermon, right? Forget it. Just put your pencils down. It's just a cool story. So I'm there, right? And um, true story, true story. This is, this is more like what God is like, right? Um, he's like Pastor Ray. God is like, Jesus is like Pastor Ray. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So true story. So we go there, and uh, I'm there, and we're going to lose. And then, I don't know, God uh, was kind, and Ray was there. Now, me and Ray have been in fights with like 15, 20 people. Like, we don't run. You know, he has my back, I have his. That, that's one thing I'm certain of. Whether he likes me today, not certain. But for certain, <laughs> for certain, that kid will not run on a fight. That's for sure. So he goes, true story, I'll never forget this. So I tell him, I go, yo, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys. That's the guys I have to fight right now. This is where it's going to happen. Da, 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 da. And I said, it's going to happen. He goes, five minutes. So Ray, it's a bench. Ray I don't know if he learned this in jail. It was the coolest thing. It was the coolest thing. 
and he did just get out of jail. That was the funniest thing. Okay. Uh, you didn't know that. All right. Now you know. Um, and so... And so he goes, and there's this long bench, and I can still remember it to this day. From like seven feet away, he slid into the guy and bumped into the guy. And the guy was like, what? He's like, and I don't know what he said, but I do know this. I did not have to fight that day. (laughs) That's what Jesus is like. Isn't that good? There's something, there's something about when one who's more powerful than you shows up and says, I don't care what happened. I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care how you got yourself into this mess. I am with you and for you and will fight this battle to the end. There's something about that. Suffering makes us do that. Depend on God's presence. You know what else? God would do, why would God, you know why else God would allow us to experience more than we can handle? The second reason is experience his power. Would you write that down? Experience his power. The first is depend on his presence. The second is experience his power. This is powerful. We go through more than what we can handle. Because God wants us to depend on his power and not use him like a genie in a lamp. Experience his power. We think of Paul. Do you you remember Paul, right? Paul, he's a great apostle. He wrote something close to like two-thirds of the New Testament. He wrote over half of the New Testament. This guy's a man after God. Spreads the gospel in ways that we're still feeling. the. In fact, you and I, are about to read words that he wrote almost 2,000 years ago. This guy is a legend. The whole world knows one of the most influential men who ever lived. He goes to God, and three times he goes to God, and there's this, he doesn't know what, we don't know what it was, but he's suffering with great intensity. And he goes, three times I went to the Lord to deliver me from this and here's what he uses. This is a phrase. We don't know what it really means. He goes, thorn in the flesh. Thorn in the flesh. In other words, he had an ailment. He had a, th- he had a suffering. He had something that he was going through that would not go away. Now, when he says, I went to God three times, it's not like he said, God, take this away. And then two days later, he goes, God, take this away. And then he went two days later, and then God, take this away. And it's like, oh, I prayed three times about this. I guess it's not going to happen. No, no, no. He went through three seasons of prayer. When I became homeless and my family had to live in my office, it was an entire season. I prayed for two years, one prayer. God, help us. Help us get out of this. Help us to experience you in this, but help us get out of this. And what God did was he gave Power to endure the homelessness. God gave strength that I didn't know I had. Remember that depression I told you about in uh, 2012? Right after that happened, right after that happened, um, I went through the depression for about over, just a little bit over nine months. I just got out of the depression 
And then Sandy hit and took away our car and our clothes and our house and our schools. And it, it decimated the entire neighborhood. Hurricane Sandy did. It decimated the whole neighborhood. And God gave me power. There was never a moment, there was never a moment that I thought, I'm alone. There was never a moment where I said, I'm, I'm exhausted, I can't do this. There was, a mo there was moments where God just gave strength and power to endure when we were homeless that second time for eight months. You see, when you and I go through suffering, God will allow us to have more than we can handle so that we can depend on his power. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10, he says this about that very same issue that we were talking about where he was suffering with a thorn in the flesh. He said this, but he said to me, that means God said to me, but God said to me, Paul, let's read this together. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah. Listen. Listen. In our weakness, God gives us strength. In our weakness, God gives us power. In our weakness, God gives us everything we need in order to endure the difficulty. Could you imagine what would life be like if when you went through the difficulties of this week, you said, oh man, God, you're with me during this difficulty and you'll give me strength for this difficulty. What would happen to your life? What would happen to your perspective? What would happen to the way you think about your money problem, the way you think about your uh, marriage problem, the way you think about your kid problem, your health problem, the way you think about your uncertainty problem, your job problem, your jobless problem? What, what would happen to your life? Oh man, it would be it would be turned all the way around. I wanted to illustrate this for you, that when God gives us more than we can handle, he does that so that we could depend on his presence and experience his power. God gave me this illustration. It was one I heard a long time ago. When um, American Indians would, um, there's a story that goes that when American Indians, boys, when they experience, when they go through their rite of passage, like, you know, um, if you're Jewish, you have a bar mitzvah. Uh, if you're American, you know, there's a sweet 16, you know, that there's sort of a rite of passage where, you know, um, uh, you, you're going from childhood to adulthood. Well, in this particular tribe of Indians, what they would have you do is that they would have you, they would take you to a deep part of the wood where all, all sorts of wild animals were known to be. And if you were where they left you, so they put you here by this rock, and if you were there in the morning, you had gone from boy to man. And so you could imagine 
when the little boy, could you imagine being 11, 12 years old, going into the middle of the wood, and all you have is a knife, and you're waiting there, and every sound, every cracking of twigs, every howling at the moon, every growl and every footprint, you think this is going to be it. This is going to be your end. Imagine experiencing that. Again, no, no street lamps, just the utter darkness and your wits stand. You can just imagine. You can imagine little boys who had been taken there by their father could go, why did my dad do this? This is crazy. I'm going to die over here. Where's my dad? He could protect me from all this. And just kind of like looking around, just not sleeping a wink because they were so scared. You can imagine. And then the sun would rise. And as the sun would rise, a shadow would be cast and the little boy would see a shadow. Then he would follow the shadow and he would see that his father had a bow and arrow trained on his position the whole night and that he was with him and that if anything came close to him, he would defend his son with his presence and his power. Some of you are in that dark night and you're thinking you're all alone. And you're asking yourself, why did my papa bring me here? Why did my father, who has all the power in the world, why didn't he change these kids, change this health, change this financial situation, change this circumstance? You're thinking to yourself, if your papa was here, if your heavenly father was here, and I'm telling you, God allows you to go through more than you can handle. So that when the morning comes, you will know that his presence and his power were with you the whole dark 